What's up, everybody? You're tuned in to the Founder Hour podcast. I'm your co-host, Pat, and today's guest on the show is John Stein. John is the founder and chairman of Betterment, the largest independent online financial advisor in the United States with over $22 billion of assets under management. Founded in 2008 during the global financial crisis, Betterment is one of the pioneers in the robo-advisory industry, using computer algorithms to generate personalized advice and manage investment portfolios. We spoke with John about his upbringing and what he was interested in as a kid, his passion for writing and why he loves it so much, deciding to forego a medical career after college and working on Wall Street, how the idea for Betterment came about, why he decided to step down as CEO in late 2020, and what he's up to now. We also settle a highly, highly debated issue and a question we were dying to ask John. Is it finance or finance? Tune in to find out. Here we go. I'll start by saying I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and nobody really guesses that because I guess I don't have a Texas accent anymore. My, my, my Dallas friends say I have a New York accent or something, whatever that is. And um, I definitely I, uh, don't hear a, a Dallas accent at yeah, all. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I just, uh, I grew up there. I lived 18 years in Dallas. My parents are still there. They're both, uh, they were city planners um, when I was growing up and um, I didn't have a lot of exposure to finance or anything like that. It was kind of a, a foreign thing to me. It's something people did maybe in New York City or San Francisco, but not not in Texas, and uh, and and had really no no knowledge of it. I I went to um, St. Mark's, which is a great high school in Dallas, and uh, and I edited the paper there, the Remarker. And uh, and got uh, really into journalism. And when I applied to college, I thought I was going to be a journalist. That was my that was my college essays were about that. And I was just talking about this yesterday because I got a call from a reporter at uh, the Remarker, a, a senior there, who was doing a story on GameStop and trading, and said, "We want to talk to John Stein, see what he has to say about this." And Said, I don't know if you really want to talk to me. I don't have a lot of, you know, a lot of great things to say about it. He's like, oh no. Um, <laughs> and he asked me, how does it feel to to have uh, to be interviewed by somebody on the Remarker since you, you know, edited the paper so many years ago? And I said, it feels great. You know, this is this is exactly um, never 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 imagined I'd be so lucky. So it's, uh, it's fun to keep in touch. That was cool. Did you sort of just? fall into that when you were like in high school or did like growing up as a younger kid maybe prior to high school you had this like i don't know characteristic about you that you figured you know i might be a good journalist or or something you know i was drawn to it i was a writer i was like i was i in my in my eighth grade i won uh school's like writing award right um for for english class and so i thought well maybe i'll try writing and I wrote, and when I got to college, uh, I started working on the, the Harvard Crimson, and I got a column. I, it was called Bus Stop. I also, I also love traveling, but but this was about just like go, taking the bus to different cities, to, to different like towns around Boston, and just like checking out what was going on there and writing about it. And like I went to the airport and I talked to the baggage handlers and just like you know here, like what's going on, you know, and I. Uh, I didn't like um, the writing. Like I just got sick of it pretty quickly. And I realized what I had loved about the paper wasn't the writing, but it was like building, building the team kind of like bringing, 
bringing some friends together, you know, one person to be the news editor, one person to, uh, you know, send out the send out the papers and put the stamps on them, you know, like just all the different jobs that had to be done right. and kind of organizing that was fun for me. And it was one of the early clues that I had that maybe someday I'd want to start a company. Um, although I didn't really know what, what that would entail. It was, it was intriguing to me. John, as a kid, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids are into sports and other, you know, outdoor activities. And I know you're, you, you weren't that kid. You, I, I remember listening to a couple of interviews of yours and, you know, you talk about how you used to just be up in the, you know, look up in the sky, looking for planes to fly by. Uh, what, what, what were you interested in though, as a kid? One of my, uh, one of my favorite things growing up was, uh, was scouts. I was a boy scout. I was an Eagle scout. Um, and, uh, I just fell into a great troop. There was a great troop at my elementary school, which meant that like a lot of my friends were also in it and we met regularly. It was fun. It was like at my school. So it was easy. Uh, but then once a month or so, we'd go on a camp out. And in Texas, like, you know, people, there's no mountains. There's not really, <laughs> there's a couple of rivers, but they're far from Dallas. You know? But like people had like, you know, uh, a plot of land where they grew some grass and maybe had a couple of cows, like in a, in a pasture somewhere, like a couple hours outside of the city. And we'd go out there and like set up tents and, you know, jump off, build, build piles of hay bales and jump off them and have campfires. and. Um, see rattlesnakes and try and catch them. And it was just like a lot of fun. Um, I really loved that. And I got into hiking and I got into like just being a scout leader. And that was another thing that sort of made me think like, oh, like I like, I like organizing like, you know, like these like hikes and stuff. And, and, you know, I got my dad into hiking over time. Like he started joining us on some stuff and he still does it. He's like, he's, he organizes like big, uh, big uh camp outs of uh and they go they like it's a, like adult um you know groups um through uh, uh what's it called forget but they like they go out to like you know new mexico and colorado all the time and do do big big hikes and john i know like being an eagle scout is probably what the highest ranking in the boy scouts it's it's no small feat you know what do you think at that age as a young kid what made you uh so good at being a leader, right? What were you like in your leadership abilities? Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's weird to maybe ask somebody who's, you know, a young kid, those questions, but looking back, you know, what were, what would you say were the qualities that you recognized and were aware of that made you the way that you were? I'd never have really seen myself as a, as a, uh, a leader or certainly didn't at that time. I, I think I was quiet as a kid and, and kind of reserved. And um, like you said, you know, not, not great at sports. Like I didn't feel like I was like super outgoing or a, a leader. I, I did, um, you know, I, I think I loved, uh, I loved, I loved um, uh, uh, those activities because I could just kind of join and you, there was sort of like a natural path um, to organizing things and people, I guess, were drawn to me. I guess I listened well, I guess I, um, uh, I was inclusive, right? Like I, I tended to try to help people get along and I like to kind of just like see things, um, see things work well. And I, I wanted everyone to be happy, right? I wanted people to kind of like, um, and enjoy, enjoy the journey. 
uh, let's let's have fun with this. Like we're we're here together. Um, and I think people are kind of drawn to 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 that. Um, I had an example in my mind too from my uh, my grandparents um, uh, and 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 that my mom's side of the the family who had um, run a family furniture business um, in upstate New York, a, a furniture manufacturing business. And I saw the community that they built. We'd go up there every every Christmas and, and sometimes in the summer too to like far upstate New York where where they lived and, and ran this furniture factory in a tiny town. Um, that at the time uh, was, you know, the oldest family-owned furniture manufacturing company in America. Uh, and they've since shut down, unfortunately. But they, um, you know, they showed me how to, like, how, like the way they lived was, like, they took care of, like, this town. They had a lot of friends in the community. Um, they were always giving back to that community, kind of, like, you know, make, making the most of it. And the community rewarded them by, you know, working hard and, you know, making, making great furniture. And it was, um, you know, um, uh, they both, they both passed it a few years ago, eventually that, 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 that factory shut down and, um, it's, uh, uh, but it, it was a, certainly a, a, in my mind that like, um, uh, as a, as a style of community building and, uh, and, and, and that as a, as a facet of leadership. Did that also play a role in your sort of, uh, I guess, desire to <clears throat> perhaps be an entrepreneur and start your own business because you saw what was sort of possible if you did? For sure it did. And I don't think I, I appreciated that until I was there. But, you know, like, like um, I guess maybe the, the thing that's on my mind is, I, you know, I, what, a, what a privilege to get to see that. You know, like what, how lucky I was to get to grow up with that as an influence and, you know, um, uh, in, in my family um, and an example and something I could aspire to. And for sure, it gave me some confidence along the way that, well, hey, they did it. So maybe maybe I can, too. Uh, and I feel really lucky to have had that example and, and that, uh, that confidence. Yeah. And were there any people around that you can think of that you sort of perhaps looked up to when you were a kid, or maybe they're like a mentor to you that sort of helped you navigate those early years, perhaps it was through high school or college and just kind of, you know, were, were, were someone that you can talk to and they would give you advice or, or what was it was most of it just kind of you having to figure it out for yourself? So many people all along the way and, you know, from, from my parents and, and other family members to uh to the scout leaders and to to the um uh to the school to the to the teachers that i had i mean i st mark's was really influential on me i i think it was more so than than college you know really um uh, i had such great mentors um i had a english and history teacher you know there uh, who taught me three different years and he was just incredible my journalism teacher mia squilla she was amazing my uh, one of my math teachers, um, uh, Miss Miss Sutcliffe, and one of my physics teachers, Mr. Bauer, just like all amazing people who saw enough in me that they like, you know, kind of gave me some individual attention and like pushed me along the way. And you know, I I also I think back to my fifth grade teacher, Bill Bill Klug, uh, who who passed away a couple years ago, um, who. Uh, was the one who told my parents to put me in in, uh, in private school because he said, you know, John is um, he's doing fine. Like he's like he's, he's he gets everything here, but like he's not going to really like challenge himself. You have to like sort of like challenge him. You've got to put him in a different environment if you want it. And you know that sort of made all the difference, right? So great. I mean, 
without that, you know, like, hey, I probably wouldn't be talking to you today. Um, but mm-hmm. there's just so many of those things along the way, right, that I'm grateful for. John, what did your parents do? And were, were you at all, you know, I know a lot of kids, you know, look up to their parents and some of them even end up in the same professions as they do. Right? They're like, oh, we're going to take over the family business or, you know, if my dad's a lawyer, I'm going to become a, you know, a lawyer too. Or if my mom's a banker, I want to become a banker too, right? They see, you know, success around them or they see, you know, other people enjoying what they do and they want to mimic that, right? Kids, kids, that's what they do. Uh, was that the case for you? I was fascinated by what my parents did. They were, they were city planners. And so there were always lots of maps around and uh and visions for like how we might redevelop downtown dallas or this neighborhood or like the arts district and a lot of those things have come to pass by the way a lot of the things that they you know a lot of big projects that they had i mean they they've they helped to reshape the city now they were planners they weren't like the real estate developers so they didn't get rich doing it you know it wasn't like a very like lucrative thing they worked for the city right like um uh and Ultimately, uh, my dad became a consultant in later years and started like working for the developers, still not as lucrative as being the developer. And my mom became a real estate lawyer. Um, uh, so she went back to school when I was in uh, middle school and high school and got her law degree. But, you know, um, real estate was always interesting to me. And, and uh, but like I didn't see it from, say, the investing standpoint. You know, I saw it from like the, the planning standpoint. And that, um, uh, I didn't see a career in it. I did when I was in college. I worked in uh, on, on maps. I was like the map editor for the Let's Go Travel Guide. But I was kind of combining like a little bit of my love for travel and writing with like, you know, this other thing. It just it felt like a good a good thing to, to try. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I, there's, you know, I'm glad I didn't go into that as a career. <laughs> I, I read that you mentioned, um, you know, wanting to sort of be a journalist i guess like going into college but i read that you majored in economics and were also pre-med is that right yeah i i took a lot of psych classes and i did a pre-med i did a post-bac pre-med year after i graduated i really thought i was going to be a doctor after after all this time after majoring in economics um I saw most of my classmates graduating and going, you know, senior year, they were all like doing these recruiting interviews, going to investment banks or investment firms or trying to work at hedge funds. And I just said, why, you know, like, what do you want to do there? Um, and they're like, I see now uh, what I didn't appreciate as much then that it's like, it's a very good stepping stone. You get some, some, some like a network and some skills and you can go on and do like other things. But it just felt to me like kind of not like very thoughtful, like just going to help rich people make more money. Um, I a, a big part of a big part of me uh, is this uh, like happiness and like human happiness is I think like one of the highest goods, right? Like increasing total human happiness just feels like obviously a thing that we should do if we can, you know, like, it just feels like the right, like morally, like, right. But you can't just make people happy, right? You can't like, you can't like, I can tell you a joke and you'll laugh or whatever, like, but you know, I'm not a comedian, but like, like, you can't just make people happy, but you can maybe um, create the right conditions and the right environment, like governments can do that. And corporations can do that. And um, communities can do that just almost like you create the right soil conditions for, for a plant to grow, you know, you can like the right sunlight and all these things. And 
what I think helps people be happy, and I studied this as in, in, in my psych classes and in, in my own in my own reading and, and such, was um, one of the big drivers of happiness is equality, right? Uh, and when we see inequality and we see people who have so much more than us and it feels unattainable at so much more, people get kind of hopeless. It's sort of like, you know, but like, you know, if we're kind of like keeping up with the neighbors, like, you know, we're in a place where we feel like, you know, like it's, it, we have an equal shot, equality of opportunity exists, then we're, then we're generally happier. And so I am very frustrated by the growing inequality in, uh, in American society. I'm comforted by the increasing equality in global society, right? Like the rise of India and China and Africa have like made the world a less unequal place. But in this country, we're kind of going in the wrong direction. And I think people who help rich people get richer are making that worse. And I, you know, I, I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about that, right? Like, I don't think they're like bad people. I don't think like people who work at hedge funds are like knowingly, you know, it's not like they're like, I, I like people who work at oil companies. Like, I don't think they're bad people. They're like doing a job that has like a, you know, a necessary thing. Some would say, oh, well, they're contributing global warming. It's like terrible. I'm like, yes, but like, it, there's a system here. It's like more complicated than that. Like, so I don't think I, but I just, it's not for me, you know, like, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to try and work against it. I'm going to try and like, push the other way toward more equality. And for me, like it was hard to know how to do that. It's still hard to know how to do it. I, I'm like, you know, like Betterment is doing in one facet. And, you know, now I'm thinking about other ways I can I can kind of further that that agenda. And and these were things that you were thinking about in college when when you were thinking about what career path to take, like this was what was going through your mind. Yes, is exactly what I was thinking about is how do I help? make people happier how do i help make the world you know uh, uh, like a, a a more equal you know better place for people to live like a better place for my kids but not just for my kids for everybody's kids because like I, I believe in this idea that like you know i've been very lucky but what if i hadn't been born you know um as i was like a white male in north america in a time when you know like that was an incredibly privileged thing to be, you know, in the most like privileged, like era of, you know, of all of human history, you know, and like the best country. it's just like, most people don't get that. And so how do like, and, and, and you, you know, I kind of just like, I like the idea of like, if I were born as a random other person in the world, I would want, like, how do I kind of make it better for, for that random other person? Right. Cause that could be me. Right. Um, and uh, and that that person has every much right to happiness as as I do, and so and so how do we sort of like give give everyone a fair shot, equal equality of opportunity? It's a yeah. big thing for me. And I just you know like the medical thing to get back to that question. Like I was like, this is a great way to to feel really good about like my everyday. I'm going to be making people healthier, and um, you know you know, it's a fine standard of living, you know, like, like doctors do well, like my, my own happy, will, you know, my own family will be like fine. Um, but I, I started going down that path and I just, I didn't like blood. I didn't like, I was volunteering in the hospitals and I felt like frustrated by like the disorganization. And I was like, it was almost like the journalism thing. Like it's not, I didn't want to do the writing. I didn't want to do the medicine. I wanted to be running the hospital. I wanted to be running the paper. Right. And when I was working in the labs, I felt the same thing, like ugh, just pipetting stuff and doing research. Like I can't be bothered. I want to like 
set the research agenda. I want it like, and I realized through those, those, even like those medical, you know, I love the med, the science, but through, through the experiences of volunteering and stuff, I realized I, I wanted to be in business. I wanted to be like running the thing. And I didn't know what that meant, but I, it felt like, you know, a, a magnet you know, for me. It's interesting. Cause it's funny because like if you were if we were to like survey pretty much um, you know anyone who's sort of in a college setting and perhaps has taken on student debt or is just like you know ambitious to you know get a degree in whatever they're getting in and go off and you know do great things in their career I, I you know it's like if we if you were to survey them I have a feeling most people would say you know I want to make like an impact on the world and change people's lives and all that stuff but the difference is I think that you have to put yourself in a position to be able to do that now. Yet you could perhaps go down a very long career path and make a bunch of money being a lawyer or doctor or something. And then eventually with that money and having the means, you can perhaps make a difference or you can take massive risks earlier on in your career to be in a position where perhaps you have equity in a company that you started or co-founded or some, something. So, and, then, and then that is kind of your path to getting the means to be able to make a difference and you know whether it's through the money that you have or the power or influence that you have in your community or whatnot and so there's so many different ways of going about it but i think you know you have to really be mindful at how you're structuring your career and career path and it's not it's not very clear at that moment but there are things that you can do that could get you on that trajectory right and so for you specifically um i don't know if you ended up pursuing the medical field or going into that field after college, but what did you end up doing immediately after graduating? I think you're exactly right. I think most people want to have an impact. They want to make their world a better place. They like, they want to make their community better off. And, you know, I'm, I am, I'm an, like an optimist. Um, I like to say like, you know, like I, I, I prepare for the worst, but I hope for the best, you know, like I, um, I really, I think, you know, humans are capable of amazing things and most of us like really want to do it too. So I'm completely agree with you, but it's hard. Like the, 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 if it were easy, you know, we'd be doing that thing. You know? <laughs> like right. exactly. everyone would do it if it were obvious, like how, and, and a lot of the, the ways that we make the world a better place, people are doing, I mean, like this, the simple things like just being great at your job as you know, a teller at the bank or the checkout person at, you know, at the convenience store or the server at the restaurant or the, you know, whatever it is, like being amazing at that and, you know, making people happy every day is like, gosh, that's it. That's making a huge impact. But, you know, but, but like you said, like some people try to get there through, maybe I'll do this thing that's like, you know, not that, you know, immediate, like, you know, gratification for others around me, but I'll have some money and I'll sort of like give it to good causes or I'll get a platform. It's hard. Um, I, uh, I just, I, I feel like, again, lucky that in Betterment, I was able to find, um, you know, an idea to, to start a company that would not only, um, you know, grow and, um, be, you know, a good financial, um, you know, uh, return for me and others who, who work there, but more importantly, or equally importantly, maybe would also just be providing a service that's like making all of our customers better off, right? Like, like most, like those opportunities feel, um, hard to come by, but that was important to me, right? Like I, I was like, you know, I'm not going to like 
start a company that's on the wrong on the wrong side of things. But um, John, one thing I wanted to ask was one thing I wanted to ask was uh, I, I I remember seeing that while you were at Harvard, you had a company in your dorm room that you started. What was that all about, and <laughs> where did that idea even come from? When I was uh, when I was an undergrad, I you might be thinking of uh, of the of the the house grill. I ran like yeah. the student restaurant there. Um, again, like you know, sort of like right place, right time. But but I guess I was drawn to it, right? Like there was there was like a it was a late night, you know, hamburger and wraps kind of a kind of a thing. It, we were open from ten p.m. to one a.m. You know, like um, you know, uh, every night, and it just it felt fun to me. Like I was drawn to it as a customer. I guess I'm a little bit of a night owl and, you know, like it was, it was fun. And I immediately like kind of fell in into it and I was like, yeah, I want to work here. And so I did. And then after working there for a year, they asked me to run it. And I was like, happy to do that. You know, it was, um, so I was making trips to style market and BJ's and picking up supplies every week. And like, I managed it, you know? So like I, I got to, figure out what would go on the menu and like the, the whole thing, you know, like it was, it was my, my little business. Um, and it was, I got to hire the people and, um, all, it was just fun. And, uh, but again, like what a, what a lucky thing, you know, <laughs> like they gave me like, and again, even at that time I wasn't like, Oh, like I'm going to be in business. This is a great experience right. to like set me down this path. Like not <laughs> at all. Like I didn't right. even, like, I didn't yeah. even see it like that. It was just like a fun thing to do. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, but a good experience. So you graduate Harvard undergrad, you do this year of like pre-med, uh, you decide this isn't necessarily the path I want to go down. Um, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you ended up working at Harvard for a couple of years, right? I stayed at Harvard. You're, you're, you're well-researched, but I, I stayed there to do the post-bac pre-med year. Um, and then, uh, in, uh, in 2003, um, I graduated 2001. So like early 2003, I moved to New York city. Um, I actually did a road trip first. Cause I just, I was like, I was lost, you know, I was like, sort of like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and I rarely tell this part of my story, but I took a, I took four months and I bought an old, um, Cadillac, uh, Biarritz convertible, uh, 1980, 84 car, bought it for like $6,000 um it didn't need a lot fortunately it was in great condition bought it in florida uh from a collector or something and then um drove it to every state every one of the 48 continental states with uh with one of my college uh college friends and um we stayed with friends like we stayed we camped out like you know national parks and stuff like it was like it was cheap we'd like go to the national park like after 5 p.m when we wouldn't have to pay the, the park fee and like leave before 7 a.m or whatever you know so, uh, but we, uh, you know, we got to see a lot of the country and, uh, and then I, we ended up in New York. I ended up selling the car for, for exactly what I paid for it. Um, and, uh, and then, um, all my, a lot of my friends had moved to New York and one of my happiest friends was, uh, was working at this firm, First Manhattan Consulting Group and they were consulting to banks and I was like, oh, financial services, you know, but <laughs> I guess. I guess he's happy. So I guess I'll try it. You know, uh, he'd been doing it for a couple of years and had seen success and um, interviewed. I totally bombed the interview. I think, <laughs> I think that like, uh, I remember the partner who talked to me saying like, well, I'm not compelled, you know, that's interesting, but I'm not compelled. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
I, you hear me. I am like, I'm not like, I'm, I wasn't like selling myself. I wasn't like nailing right. the case or anything. Like, I'm just like, yeah, like maybe I'll do this, you know? And they're like, well, okay. okay. <laughs> moral of the story, if you're in college and most of your friends are going into financial services or in the finance world and you're not sure of it, just drop everything, go travel the whole country and see everything you can see and come back. And if you still end up in finance, you're probably meant to be there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I mean, like in your case, like what did you, what were you doing like in those four, four years at the consulting company? Like what was like, what are your biggest takeaways from, from that job? It was incredible. I mean, I, again, I'm, I, I, I sort of, I, sometimes I make fun of it or I say, you know, we were just helping the banks make more money. But I met amazing people. Um, I worked for some incredible partners. I feel really lucky to have had that experience. Like they're all, all great, uh, and they they mentored me a lot and like helped me develop. I remember being like so frustrated, you know, when they and they'd be like, "This the way you're saying this, like this is too strong." And I'd be like, "No, it's just right. Like this is what it is." And I was like so mad. It's like that feedback, like too strong, you know. But like it was great feedback, you know. Like now now that I reflect on it, like I think like I learned a ton from. Uh, from that job and I um our our pro like projects were like retail so meaning where should you put your branches and we had this whole model that I operated for a while that was it took I mean it's, it, all this stuff kind of sounds like ancient but at the time it was cutting edge where we had this database of every bank branch in the country and we could like geolocate them and uh and figure out like how much we also knew how many assets they had and so we could help a bank know like where else to open their branches that were like profitable locations for their competitors and you know that kind of modeling stuff we do risk management we do investment portfolio policy for like the big net like the top 50 national banks um and even international i had clients in australia i got to go live in melbourne australia for six months and I had a client in Puerto Rico and I got to go live in San Juan for some time. And, you know, like it was super fun and like really interesting projects. Um, and I learned a lot about banking and financial services. And I was like, well, I don't know if I want to start a bank, but I bet I have more credibility to start something in this field than the other 50 things in it. Like I was interested in, in all the things I am now, which is like, like back then I was like, why aren't we voting online? Why can't everyone vote? Like, online like this is stupid like it's still stupid it's still stupid that we don't have online voting for it like make it more accessible like you know but um but uh not obvious to me like exactly how you, how you go about making that happen as a non-elected uh, official um and uh or even as one right? it's just a hard it's a hard problem um and uh but like i was like but i bet i could like i could start a business and like i you know that that would be fun and i could start a business that would help a lot of people um, because I, I had friends coming to me and saying, what should I do with my money? I don't know. I, like, you know, you, you know, you know something about investing, right? Like, what are you doing? And, um, I answered that question enough times and I realized that like, even once I answered it, people weren't necessarily doing it, not because they didn't like think it was right, but it was just like, it's hard, you know, like what, you know, tax optimization, like what, like, you know, uh, or, you know, how do I know if I'm actually properly diversified and when do I change, you know? It, remember, like this was a time. Like again, it sounds like ancient, but there was nowhere you could go that would like build a portfolio for you and rebalance it and tax optimize it for you. Betterman invented that, right? Like, I mean, granted, we were standing on the shoulders of giants. Like we had ETFs, you know, that were available to us. We had, uh, you know, um, uh, web technologies that, like, you know, we 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 didn't invent, but like just kind of putting all the things together so that 
anyone could have a really smart, broadly diversified uh, investment account that made them extra money, but through like tax optimization and helped them do the right thing through like smart planning and advice and, and stuff like this. Like uh, we, we pioneered that. We, we, you know, Betterment continues to pioneer in that space. Uh, there's a lot more work to do around, uh, around advice and helping people make the most of their money. So John, when you're at this, you know, consulting firm for about four years, you're obviously learning a lot of stuff. And not only are you gaining, you know, these hard skills about finance and investing and other companies and how they operate, but I assume you were also meeting such great people and coming up with a bunch of different ideas. Um, you know, when did you decide that it was time to settle on, or I guess settle is the wrong word, but time to, you know, move forward with betterment and quit your job entirely and say, you know what, I'm all in on this thing. Let's go figure out how we're going to do it. You guys ask such great questions. And, uh, and I remember I was at a, um, there was like an alumni event for like St. Mark's alumni. And, uh, and I talked to this guy, I think, you know, I don't even remember his name. Right. But like, I think he worked at like a hedge fund out like in Connecticut or something. And, you know, I was just talking to like a bunch of bunch of people um, at the thing to see what they're up to. And I was telling him, yeah, I've been working as like a consultant for a few years. And I just like, I, but I kind of want to start this company. And I'm just like, I'm not sure. It's a big risk, I, you know, and I, I'd been modeling it out. Like, you know, I was sure I would make more money by staying at the consulting firm, you know, like, um, and I was just like, but this, but, you know, but like, I kind of want it, like, I think it's time. And I remember him just saying like, pull the ripcord, man, like do it. And like, that just stuck in my head of like, oh yeah, I guess like, you know, like I'm not getting any younger. Like I, th- I think it's time. I think like the next week I went and I talked to my, um, my uh, managers at, at first Manhattan. And, and I said, you know, I want to start this business. Can I work part time? And, uh, and fortunately they said, okay. And I was so surprised that they said, okay, um, they let me, I basically, you know, I, I feel like so brash, like in saying this now, you know, like the, the way that I did it, but I was just like, well, here's how much like you're paying me for like a week. So I want you to, this will be my daily rate and I'll work, like, <laughs> I'll work like two days a week or more, you know, like I'll, I'll it'll, but it'll be flexible and you'll pay me as like an hourly and I'll, the rest of the time I'll get to go work on my business. And I, and I want to keep my office here. Right. And like, and I'll, I, I get to like, you know, and they were like, okay. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> um, so I did that. Um, and it, I did that for maybe six months or nine months. I don't remember exactly. And I was doing a bunch of research. You know, I, mm-hmm. I um, again, I'm, I'm grateful um, to the folks at, at first Manhattan. I, I, I just, I, I needed to learn a lot. Right. So I did a bunch of like learning and researching and, um, uh, and, um, and then I went to business school and I almost didn't, I, I thought, um, I might just like leave and start a business, but I didn't have, like the idea wasn't fully baked. It was like, I, I, I knew I'd have to actually like leave first Manhattan to actually spend the time and actually like put things together, like working part-time as, as much as it sort of like moved me in that direction and got me more excited about doing something you know, like I kept getting drawn back in and I ended up working uh, like four days that week or, you know, five, you know, just wasn't working the weekends. But right. uh, I, I, I wasn't quite there. 
I talked to my parents and I talked to a lot of, you know, talked to my uncle. I talked to where I'm staying now. I talked to a lot of, a lot of folks and, um, uh, uh, you know, um, some advised me to just start and do it. Uh, I remember my uncle said that and some advised me to go to business school. You're not going to regret that. I remember my parents saying that. And, uh, and I chose that because <laughs> I thought I'll, I'll, I'll work on it and, uh, I'll work on it while I'm there. And I did. I went to Columbia. I worked a lot on the business while I was at Columbia. It was great. Um, uh, again, you know, it's it's hard to look back and have any regrets when right. things have worked out well. Um, you know, could I have gotten a, a little faster start without Columbia? Maybe. But I also learned a lot there. You know, I met a lot of people who are like dear to me now. So um, yeah. I, I really, really treasure that that time. And I learned Tron. about. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So one question we get asked a lot and I think is a pretty interesting topic is, you know, for folks that have an idea, right, like yourself, uh, but are working somewhere, you know, they're making good money. You know, I assume you were making pretty good money living in New York. You can't just make like $60,000 and get by. Uh, so it's a hard... I mean, you can't, you can, you but, can't make 60,000 and get by. I made, yeah, I, yeah, I, I did it. So. Okay. Well, I guess I hit, I guess I, I got your salary, right. But let's assume you're making a little less than that, or even even a little more, it doesn't matter, but you're making money. Right. And it's a tough feeling to go from even $40,000 a year to zero overnight when you're building your own business. But for the people out there that are listening to this uh, podcast right now that have an idea that have a job, but really want to leave that job and go and pursue this idea. What's your recommendation to them? Is it stick out, stick it out at this com- at your company as long as possible, get paid, work on your idea as much as possible, or go hundred percent, thousand percent in on whatever your idea is and pursue it just completely. Boy, it's so hard and individual. There's no one right answer, right? And 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 what works for one person doesn't work for others. I um, I lived incredibly cheaply, and uh, you know a lot of people I respect do that. At, at you know like like at least for a time. I mean, I ate dumplings which were a dollar. You know, uh, at the dumpling shop. I lived in Chinatown. I lived very cheaply. Um, and I would eat those dumplings that were a dollar because I knew I was saving money. Like every time I, you know, like they're good too, but like, um, and, uh, and the, you know, the, the, uh, the Chinese, you know, the, the noodle and chicken shop, ch- chicken broccoli was $3 and 50 cents. I ate that, you know, three nights. A week. I just like, I lived very cheaply. Um, and, um, and I, uh, like we used to buy, we used to buy the beers that were warm at the bodega because they were like, you know, it was like three dollars for like a six pack that was warm, and three fifty for the one in the freezer. <laughs> like, so you know, like we, I just, I just saved, um, and uh, and that gave me, you know, enough over time that I could like work for like a year on my idea without being funded, and and like and and still and still um, you know, live live fine. Um, I hope I always do that. I hope I don't ever lose that. Um, you know. Um, Hopefully you're eating better than one dollar dumplings now. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were good. They were good dumplings. Um, but, um, but yeah, you, you know, like as as things change, like I just I want to, 
I, I think happiness is not like, you know, like, you know, this, like I, everyone knows this, right. But like, it's so easy to forget like the obvious thing that like happiness has nothing to do with like how much you're spending. Right. Um, like it just, it doesn't make you, you know, any, like, of course it's nice to go out to a good dinner. Of course it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to travel. Like, and like that, the, like these are important things, but you can do that very cheaply. Right. Yeah, uh, you right. can see those kinds of contrasts cheaply. You know, John, I'm kind of picking back, not off that question, but like a little bit different. Um, but you know, People have ideas all the time, right? Especially, um, you know, just kind of, I mean, it just, they're like a dime a dozen. I mean, like they're just everywhere, right? And, and, and actually getting started is the tough part, right? Getting or, or, or figuring out, all right, like what's the next step of, you know, oh, I'm not a technical person and I have to create an app or I have to create a program or I don't, you know, I have to go find a co-founder now and, um, you know, I have to go raise money and I don't have the money to start this and all these things come up, which, you know, kind of deters people from perhaps taking that next step. Um, and so they're, they're sort of always just kind of stuck with the idea and they don't really do anything about it. In your case, you had this idea, you saw something that, you know, you wanted to pursue. What was the immediate next step? Like, how did you get the ball rolling? Did you had you had met already met you, you know co-founders and and um you know that you know you had a team put together pretty much right from the get-go or did you have to go out and search for that like what was your process like here's another great question and it, it reminds me of your, of your last which is like what do you what do you do like do you just go for it do you like stay at your job um I'll tell you, like, for me, it's just kind of like taking advantage of every opportunity and like taking things as signs. Like, I don't happen to be like a, a, a person of, um, of faith, like my, my family, like are right, like, you know, I, I grew up going to church, I am not a person of like, of, of faith. But I do like to just sort of like, take things as signs, meaning like, if I have a strong feeling about something or something just sort of seems to fall into place, like just go for it because sometimes just making a decision and like moving is better than like sitting and like waiting for like the optimal thing. And so like, um, I, uh, you know, in, in the case of like, how did I just like, uh, get going or what did I do, do first? I, you know, I had a bunch of ideas, but, um, you know, I talked, uh, like, uh, to a couple of folks who are like, oh, I would use that product. And I was like, all right, I think this is a thing. I'm just going to, I'm going to start like developing it. And, um, another lucky, lucky thing is my, um, my roommate at the time was a software engineer at Google. Um, his name is, is Sean Owen. And, um, he, uh, get, he had some like coding books and he's like, well, if you want to like build a thing, like, you know, start with these. And it was like, um, action script for dummies. Uh, and, Action script was flex. I built like the first version of betterment and flex. I just started building it. You know, I was just like, I'm going to do this. Um, and I really thought I was just going to do it on myself. I ran into some trouble. I needed Sean's help. Like, fortunately he was there. He could sort of like, you know, guide, guide me. And he started like, he set up like the server and like the stuff I would need to, you know, for my front end to communicate to. And, um, and eventually like, you know, uh, he, he joined as like a, as like a co-founder, right. He was like, yeah, this, you, you know, you're, you're doing this thing. Couldn't have done it without him. And then, um, I was talking to friends, uh, one of my, uh, friends that like organized a, a poker game that I went to a couple of times and I was terrible at poker. Like I just, you know, I just went for like, you know, to sit around and uh, drink <laughs> some beers and hang out. But like, this guy was like good at it. And, um, you know, like was, was like an organizer of the game. 
uh, he was over and, and I was talking about this thing I was working on. He's like, that's really cool. Like, I think, you know, I think I would like to help you with that. Is there anything I can do? And I was like, well, you're a securities lawyer. Maybe like take these books that I've been reading and like figure out like, you know, the, the, the regulatory stuff that I'm kind of can't do as, as well as all the coding and all, all of this kind of stuff. And that was Eli um, Braverman and, and, you know, just continuing to involve people in the story and in the journey and like, kind of like bringing them in. I, like I met one of my former colleagues um, from FMCG, Anthony at like a Christmas party that one of our, you know, mutual friends threw. And I told him about the thing and he's like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I was like, yeah. And you've like built like online banks for people before, right? Like, do you want to come and like run, run product for us? And he's like, I mean, I'll think about it, you know, and he did. And like, he ended up being our, our like our first employee and, um, and, and joined us. Gosh, we got lucky and we just kind of kept like bringing people in. Like as anyone who would like listen and got, got interested, I, I hired a lot of my friends in those early days. It was all about like friends and family. Um, high school friends worked with me, college friends worked with me. You know, it was 2000, like nine and 10, it was like after like sort of a bumpy period in, in the yep. US economy. And so like a lot of people did, were not fully engaged or, or, you know, employed. And so then that, that was lucky too, you know, like people were like available. Um, and so I, uh, you know, that's it. So John, for those that don't know, you know, what Betterment is by now, because we would have already said it in the introduction, uh, but for for the most part, uh, you know, it's a robo advisor and cash and wealth management and savings and investment company. It's kind of like you know, I call it a better savings account for myself because if I put it in my bank account, it's I'm going to spend it on something, right? So it's not only it's actually getting me higher interest rates, but I'm actually not spending it because I don't touch that money. Uh, you know. Nowadays, a lot of people are familiar with the concept of robo advising and you know wealth management, especially you know when you're in your hopefully you know this by now mid twenties, thirties, forties. But you know when you guys first started off in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, it wasn't a necessarily well known concept, right? Folks that had money were going to wealth managers, and you know they were investing their money in different index funds and stocks, etc. And they were investing in companies and whatever the case may be. Right. Then comes Betterment, right? In 2008, 2009. Are people thinking, what the fuck is John doing? Mm-hmm. Or are they like, huh, this is actually a pretty good idea? Right. <laughs> what was the reaction in the first, you know, few years that you guys got? A lot of the reaction was, yeah, what, what, what are you doing? I, uh, I remember that, that's, that was like Chris Saka's reaction at TechCrunch when we launched. He's like, this is way too simple. Uh, Chris Saka is like a, a, a notable um, angel investor and Shark, Shark Tank uh, contributor, right? And he was like on the panel judging us on the day that we launched at TechCrunch. And we said, yeah, but simple is good. Sim- simple like makes it accessible. And he said, no, like people expect right. finance to be complicated. They expect it to be hard and they won't trust it if, it's, if it seems too simple. It'll seem like a game. I, uh, I disagree with that and and he now also i think would disagree with him his former self right like i've seen him since and he said yeah like you know i've made i made a lot of mistakes that was one of them you know um and uh so but i don't think he was alone in in thinking that um finance you know has always been complicated and like that's part of the the sizzle or something um i i think look 
um, you asked about trading and whatnot, and we're sort of seeing another like bubble in uh, in kind of like the popularization of trading right now. I saw the same thing in two in ninety nine two thousand, which was like right. Remember, I graduated college in in two thousand one into this sort of like crash, but I was like at that time investing some of my own money and like buying stocks and like I was into it, right? I was like reading. Investors Business Daily, which is like, you know, maybe it's still a thing, less of a thing than it was, but it was kind of like the, the Reddit forums of its day, right? right. Um, it was, uh, and uh, and subscribing to like news feeds and stuff like that, like um, to, to sort of like educate myself about buying stocks. A little bit, I, I, I think I believe now looking back that people who, people just kind of maybe have to go through that. Like I did, I sort of had to go through that experience um, of, Trying it, um, even though I knew that uh, that most people don't beat the market, you know, like it's always like, yeah, but like, what if I, what if I, you know, what if I hit it? What if I like get like that one stock that like does 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 so well? And I did okay, you know. I like I bought a bunch of airline stocks when they were really cheap, which is kind of like you know, in recent times, like people could have bought the same thing, right? And sort of like ridden a ridden a rebound. Um, uh, I did that at that time. Um, I um, I also bought Enron on the way down, you know, sort of thinking, oh, well, this will turn around and rebound. And that was kind of like buying GameStop on the way down. <laughs> it, was like, yeah. it was just like, you know, like, um, uh, so I made some good decisions and some stupid decisions. <laughs> and uh, over time, I, I realized I'm spending a ton of time on this. And if, unless, unless I'm actually going to make a career out of like, out of day trading, which I didn't, I didn't want to do. I'm never going to be, you know, better than like the, the hedge funds and the banks that are like making a career out of this and like focusing only on 10 stocks all the time. I, I don't have the, the capacity or the tools or the capital to do that. And so I, I should just index it and find, you know, find my fortune through my career, right? Or, or, or elsewhere. It's not going to be, it's not going to be through this. But I had to go through that journey. I had to go on that journey and learn it, you know, kind of the hard way, right? It wasn't um, uh, so damaging, but it was kind of dumb. Uh, and, you know, I, I think now, I think a lot of people are in the early stages of that journey now, right? I don't think like there's some fundamental shift happening where all of a sudden like day trading is going to be like, the way everyone invests it's just you know that's a stupid you know, no one what zero people I, like want to live in that world it's sort of like if if, if you told me that actually everyone's going to be like their own dentist from now on like i would think that's like equally likely like no like you know um you go to experts for things you know like like, yeah. like you should um and it's going to be the same with uh with investing over time you mentioned um I think you said you launched that TechCrunch. Was it like te uh, TechCrunch Disrupt or one of? I don't know if it was one of those things, but uh, or prior to that or right after that. I mean, in those early days, did you have to go out and raise the capital to be able to even build this thing and and subsidize the customer acquisition costs and all these things from the get go? And also, you know, starting a fintech company at the time. Um, I'm assuming it's not as much now, but was there a lot of red tape that you had to go through? you know, regulatory stuff in the beginning that made it difficult or were you able to launch it pretty quickly as soon as you had it built, at least like the MVP of it? We pulled some capital together. So I invested some capital. Um, uh, Sean and Eli invested some capital. Ryan O'Sullivan, uh, who was another partner that, that we met, who had a trading firm 
invested some capital and like together we had a pool where we could start to pay some employees, you know, like in the, it was an angel round basically, or it was like a, you know, a pre-seed, I guess would be the, right. the, the term for it today. Although that, that didn't exist back then. We, um, you know, we, we had enough to get, to get going. And then we, you know, like we almost ran out of money, right? Like we were like, I remember a lot of conversations um, about, uh, you know, we've got, we launched at TechCrunch. There was like this like boom of excitement. You know, we got like a thousand customers on the platform after, you know, the, the first few days. And I was just like so excited. Um, we, had, we were managing maybe like a million dollars. It was nothing. You know? um, I mean, it felt like a lot. But like when I look at, you know, today, you know, an average-ish day for, for Betterment is like 20 million in net deposits. And, and back then it was like 10 million in the first year. So, you know, we get more in a, in an afternoon now than we brought in that, that whole first year. Um, but, uh, but, you know, like we, 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 after the, after the summer, after we launched, we were growing, growing, growing. And then it was like, you know, those people who heard about us, TechCrunch, like they were on, but we didn't have any money to market. We weren't doing a lot to like continue to grow the, the customer base. Um, and uh, we were, we were like, Whoa, what do we, what do we do? You know, we're going to, we're going to have to raise some money. We got to raise some money to like kind of make this thing go. And um, I wasn't sure how to go about it. Um, and I uh, was lucky to uh, connect with uh, uh, an attorney um, uh, in, uh, in New York um, uh, at, at Zimmerman at Lowenstein Sandler, who was like, you know, I can connect you to a few, like, I know a few like VC shops and, um, he put us in touch. One of the first ones he put us in touch with, I think that first one was um, Bessemer. And we talked to Rob Davis over at Bessemer. And he was like, Ooh, I like this. I like, this is, this is an idea that like we've been looking for. We've been looking for a smart answer to the question of like, what should I do with my money? And we've been looking at it for two years. And I think this is the best answer I've seen. And I was like, great. Like we want to raise a million dollars. And he said, how about 3 million? And I said, awesome. You know, like that sounds amazing. Like, 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 let, let's, let's go. Um, and you know, it wasn't quite that easy. Like, you know, of course there's diligence and like, you know, negotiations and all, all this kind of stuff. Um, but it was, you know, it, it happened and I was thrilled. I mean, God, what a, what a feeling, you know, to like, um, raise, raise a first round and, um, and to do it in New York at a time when there just weren't a lot of startups in New York. Remember too, like this is, you know, again, I sound like a grandpa, but, um, you know, all the action was like in San Francisco and I, I had no, I had no track record. You know, it was just, it was just a wild, fun thing to, to you know, like we were on this adventure at, at the time we were in union square in a tiny little office, very cheap, of course. Um, you know, like, you, you know, me and, uh, um, you know, I, I remember meeting with, um, the guys from simple bank. Have you ever heard of simple bank? Like, I think they no. actually just recently like shut it down, but it was part of um, BBVA for a while. Um, they, they were acquired by BBVA a few, after a few years, like, it was like, those guys were like the only other FinTech in the world. As far as I knew, like there, there was like, there was like nobody else. And like, we, you know, we had lunch at like union square cafe and it was like, we're doing this thing, you know, like you, you guys are doing banking. I'm doing investing, you know, <laughs> like, that's it. Um, so it was a, it was a, it was a fun time. We were kind of, kind of lonely back then. And, 
Um, now, and, now it feels like such a crowded space, you know, there's so many. Yeah, I was, so I, many I was about people. to say that, like, you know, and since then, you know, the fintech space has just grown so much astronomically and there's so many new companies that have come into the space and now it's just kind of been like a land grab in a way of like, you know, how do we get, like, in, in terms of the consumer, it's like, where do I put my money? Like, there's so many options now where, like, if I have some money to invest or I want to, you know, put into some sort of account to, you know, grow over time, like, do I use this app? Do I use that one? Do I use this company? Like, and so... For you guys, like, how have you? How? Wh why do you think Betterment has been able to cut through the noise and maintain such like a, a, a you know a large status in the in the fintech space and kind of be a, a leader in its growth as opposed to sort of just falling by the wayside like we've seen so many different companies you know happen to. Well, Betterment has some advantages. I mean, one, we're established. We have a known brand. We um, have an amazing team. Um, you know, we have some just like incumbency advantages at this point. Um, we have some scale and that helps. Um, we have great backers and capital and all of those kinds of things. We also have like a genuineness and nobody's going to say like, nobody's going to come on your show and be like, well, we're kind of full of, full of it. You know, <laughs> like we just, you know, um, uh, like we're just kind of marketing shells, you know, like, we, but I, I really think, um, I really, I, I believe nobody like actually does more for their customers to help make the most of their money than, than Betterment, right? Like, I think there's other people who are better at marketing than we are. And there's people who are better at like a certain gimmick, like, you know, um, and some of those gimmicks are effective, like, uh, like, um, uh, maybe, maybe rounding up your money, you know, sort of helps you like, you know, you know, yeah, like get into a habit of saving and maybe that's a really good thing. Maybe getting paid two days early means a lot to you. Like, and, and like, I, like I can see that, like bridging a gap, um, you know, or you could just save two days of worth of your paycheck. You know? <laughs> like I just, right. um, like I think a lot of those things are super, they, they tap into like behavioral things that, um, that are smart. Uh, and I, and I, I'm not trying to like lessen, uh, you know, I, I, I give credit to people for like discovering those things. Cause like as a behavioral economist, like, I remember studying a lot of those things like there's really smart and we've done some of the two. I mean, auto deposit for betterment was huge. I mean, it's a no brainer, right? Like just set up auto deposit and like save through your goals. But like, that's been a great source of growth for us and a great attraction for our customers. So, so, but I think where we have invested the most more than anybody is in like advice uh, that is really smart. Like, how much should you put in your IRA versus your Roth versus your 401k versus your taxable accounts? Like Betterment has great advice for that. That's free and accessible to all of our customers, right? Um, tax optimization around that kind of pushing the right assets into the right accounts, something that we call asset location or tax coordinated portfolio. That is, we have that and it works better than anybody in the market, better than Schwab, better than Fidelity, you know, just like, better than any certainly better than any of the startup competitors who, who you know none of these companies even do it um we do have i think we we have right. tax loss harvesting like we just do all this stuff that mm -hmm. actually makes your that helps you pay less tax and therefore keep more of your money and make more of it and um Right. And like you know. the way I kind of, I mean, the, my takeaway on that is like, you know, kind of this relentless focus on making sure that you're creating the best product possible. Cause especially in this industry, I can imagine marketing is not easy because you can't really tell or pro or you can't predict what's going to happen to people's money if they're investing in the markets. Right. And so, you know, over time, obviously you can invest in 
perhaps like something like less risky like bonds or ETFs versus individual stocks or whatever. But it's just like you can't make certain promises in, in your marketing efforts. And so a lot of it is word of mouth of like people that around them, you know, you know, using the platform and being like, you know, I invested X amount and I've made this much over, you know, three, four months. Like you should do you should do the same if you have some you know, money that you want to put aside. And so in, in those cases, like the product is really, I think what speaks for itself. And, um, if, if you're not really focused on making sure that the product is great and also that you're focused on the customer and making sure that they're getting the most out of it, then it's really easy to just fail. I think. I think that's right. The product has to be great. The customer service has to be great. Um, I think for years, like all of us in the office were taking the calls. Like we've all, like we always prioritized it. I think in, in the last couple years, like I'll be honest, I think we've grown so much. I think our customer service has suffered a little bit. Like, like we, we, we betterment have like probably not lived up to our own standards for, for like where, where we wanted to be. We've been investing recently and, and sort of making sure like we're ahead of our scale and all that kind of stuff. Customer service is so so important, um, uh, and in referrals and delighting customers, uh, so that's mm-hmm. another big one. John, when it comes specifically to robo advising, there's you know the companies that you mentioned and so many others are getting into that space, and they already have established customers that they could perhaps you know transform into a new customer in this specific new product that they launch. When it comes to you know the Schwabs of the world, for example, is it better for Betterment to compete against them or to somehow work with them and their existing customers? And is that something that you guys have already been doing or plan to do? One thing that a lot of people don't know about Betterment is that we have three different ways that we distribute. We go direct to consumer. Almost all you, all of your listeners who know of Betterment are going to know of us that way, right? Like you can go to betterment.com and sign up for an account and save and, and invest and spend and all, the, all that kind of stuff. Um, we also sell 401ks. And so that's a B2B sale. We, we're going to companies and managing their 401k plans and all the employees get a Betterment account. And it looks just like your retail account. It's got the same options and the, you know, the same retirement planning and everything, but it also has your 401k. And that's been a, a really powerful part of our platform, an important way in which, which we're growing. Um, you know, that, that B2B sale, we also do, you know, HSAs by the way, and, uh, and, and other types of types of accounts, but, and then there's a, a third, which is we sell through advisors. We are the platform for thousands of investment advisors, individual investment advisors, like you might, you know, see, you know, in your town, um, who have, uh, have their name out, outside in the door. And it says, you know, um, uh, first road investment advisors. And, they, when you go and you talk to them and they make your financial plan, they may say, and we think you should invest your money with Betterment because it's the lowest cost and best managed platform out there. Um, you'll get, they may not even say you that, but they'll say like, here's a, here's a product. And, you know, it's branded as first road advisors. Like you get your statements and everything from first road advisors, but Betterment is powering that um, and doing the tax optimization and the website and the mobile apps and all, all of that kind of stuff. Got it. And um, awesome. so that's another way that we partner with the existing ecosystem. Awesome. Um, and all of that is like, it's incredibly low cost by the way for, for those advisors. And so, and they, they pass those savings on to their clients. I have a very important question uh, that I always, always ask people that are in the industry. Is it finance 
or finance? <laughs> I, uh, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's finance if you're if you're highfalutin. And, Got it. <laughs> so so here's another one. If it's if it's finance, then why don't we call it fine tech and we call it fintech? Because <laughs> uh, it's better than fine. I, I don't know. It's. Uh, <laughs> I like it's just... it. I like it. Uh, so, on a more serious note, uh, in the last few months, uh, you or I think it was the last few months. I'm losing track of time these days. And by the way, I've been. I think we. I don't know if we mentioned it earlier or if it was offline, but Pat and I have been using Betterment for almost four or five years now and we love every aspect of it uh of course we love the part that makes us more money as well um but recently and i loved your emails by the way the ones that you would send with like you know signed off john stein i'd always read those um but you recently ousted yourself as the ceo of betterment and moved on to just you know the chairman role um and and when i got that email i was a little bit disappointed i was like Man, I really liked John. I really liked his emails. I I was making good money on Betterment. Like, are things going to change? Like, are things going to be different once the founder is no longer there? Right? Like, we're the founder hours, so we look at things through like the eyes of the founder, and we're like, damn. Like, usually when that happens, like it's not always good. Um, Why did you make that decision? And you know, what's what's next for Betterment? Well, I'll still send you emails if you want. You know, I yeah, please, <laughs> please. You got You got to get that journal journalist that you activated. Exactly, exactly. No, I've actually gone back to to journaling now that I have a little more time. Speaking of uh, being a journalist, but um, look, one of the uh, most important parts of being uh, a leader, being a CEO, is recruiting talent, and I'm. Um, always recruiting talent and uh and for the last couple of years i've been looking for another senior leader i knew like you know you've got your team like you're always trying to like level level up your team and like recruit you know senior people into that team and like you know looking at cro's and cmo's and coos and like all of those kinds of things and i was having trouble kind of like slotting the right person in and in the course of that process um i chatted with over 100 executives and um, i wasn't you know focused on a single role but i was starting to wonder and ask um first you know myself and like my wife and you know and then like you know trusted advisors and you know a couple of you know my senior senior partners on the team and stuff like what if, what if like actually the thing I want to do is replace me? And of course, everyone's like, no, 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 like, don't do that. Like, you know, it's kind of like you, they're like, no, like it's, it's hard. You, that, that's going to be bad. Like you can't replace the founder. Here's all the things you do. Everyone's very nice, you know, but I just had this suspicion that, um, I, you know, I've thrown so much at betterment and I care so much about it. And, and yet like maybe somebody with like, you know, new energy, like I, I'm not going anywhere. I can still like provide my ideas and my energy, but like, you know, if I found the right person, wouldn't that be amazing? Right. And, um, I first, um, uh, uh, I, I remember, um, talking to, to Sarah, um, you know, May of, of 2020. And, uh, when I, when I first met her and it was in this context of a CRO or a COO, but I could tell that like her experiences were such, you know, she'd run a giant company at Viacom and, and I could tell that she could just carry a lot and like 
I, I just wanted to get her in, you know? And so like we, we talked about a, a role and, and, and I, I hired her as a consultant and just kind of like saw the way that she was in like our first executive meeting. She was just like, so on point and like you know we got to a better place more efficiently than like it like than than before she was there and that i've seen that kind of thing before but this was like a whole new level you know and i was um i just felt it was it was like it was the right fit and uh and i started giving her more and more and i gave her like our whole 2021 planning process and she like knocked it out of the park um the team, you know, was taking to her. They loved her. I saw that like very quickly, and uh, and and you know, fortunately, um, she said yes, and my board, you know, got around it, and uh, and it all worked out. And I feel just super lucky. Um, really, I mean, I, I keep saying that in this, but I've I've just been so fortunate, like to find that person, um, you know, who's who's the fit. Um, it's just, I think it's a rare thing. And and now I, I get to be the chairman and be a resource for her whenever she needs me and be there for the company. And I feel, um, you know, I, I have a lot more love and, uh, and, and energy to give betterment today than, than maybe I did even when I was, um, when I was CEO and just sort of like stressed to doing, doing just that, that job. And, and I also have this curiosity in general for like other ways that, you know, I might help, help right. make people better off. Yeah. And, and we've talked to so many founders who have like sort of talked about their personal experiences, but how different it is, you know, when, you, when you're a small company and you're like 10, 15, 20 people to then having, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, 10,000s of people to manage. It's like a totally different role. Um, and that operational sort of side kicks in and, and oftentimes as a founder, you know, you, you may want to do it or you may not want to do it or you may be good at it and maybe you're not. And so you have to sort of figure out, you know, where you sort of fit in. And so for you personally, like, do you see yourself kind of the foreseeable future still being like betterment and um, kind of, you know, being in that role or are there other things that you're passionate about or excited about that you want to go out there and maybe build or invest in? Um, like what's kind of the next five, 10 years look like in your in your eyes everyone wants to know what's what's next and there's a ton of interesting opportunities uh, i'm talking i'm trying to like to to just take my time though i definitely don't know the answer but but uh you know people are asking me to run this company or you know <laughs> join this investing firm or you know uh, join join this or that board and it's just a, uh, it's very flattering it's wonderful um but i've Probably, um, you know, my 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 gut is that um, uh, I'm most likely to start another company if I do something. I don't know what what it will be, but I think that it will have you know a positive impact on on people. Um, I've been drawn a bit to policy, you know, like I, I like that idea that like the government is a is a way of helping folks, um, uh, but you know. Um, it's not something I actually know anything about, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's that's a challenge. that might not be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Going yeah. into it from that angle, so because sometimes when you know too much, nothing gets done. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I think that's fair. Um, so that's interesting to me, and um, and we'll see. I'm I, I'm really just enjoying like getting to explore stuff and like learn and like have conversations, and um, I'm having so much fun with it. Well, John, I know it's you know late by you because you're out in 
Massachusetts and we're here in LA and it's not too early here either. I sleep early. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we thank you so much for taking your time to chat with us about, you know, your journey as a, as an individual and also as a founder and leader. Um, and, you know, it's just been an inspiring story that you started off as this kid that, you know, was involved and want to be clearly seemed like you were going to be a leader and then go to college and you're a little bit confused. Uh, and it's like, everybody's kind of been there, right? They've had highs and lows in life. And, uh, at times you think that the lows are a lot worse than the highs, uh, and that those lows are never going to end. Um, but you know, you kind of got to just have to pick yourself up and, uh, get back on the road just like you did and things will happen. So, uh, I hope that people are inspired through your journey and, um, can take something out of it and definitely they should sign up for betterment. That's definitely what they should do. Uh, and this is not an ad. It's crazy. Like uh, it, it's, I don't even have to get paid to do ads. I just do it because I'm, I'm a true fan. Uh, but thank you so much. There's, there's not much more I can say. Thank you. And I agree. It's, uh, it's, it's stay on that road. And a thing I always say, uh, anyone who works with me would know that I, I love to say, you know, and just enjoy the journey, right? And like yep. take advantage of every opportunity that, that comes at you. And that's not always easy, as, as you say. Sometimes, you know, you get you get negative, you get in a rut. It's not, it's not super fun. You're tired of driving, but just, you know, see the bright side, you know, think think positive, look look for, you know, keep your eyes open and you'll see amazing things in life and um, and, and try and take advantage of those, those opportunities. Um, and, and try and help others see them too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big part of what, what we can do absolutely more thanks John thanks guys pleasure be well